doing good all right so glad to have you guys here you know hey green bay is not a bad thing right at least it's in the midwest right so so <laughs> thinking you know the bears haven't been really good anyway so we got to vote for somebody right so uh so go green bay pastor chase is happy so i, I know he's a green bay fan so uh, welcome. We're going to continue on the detox series today, and I get the the wonderful topic of revenge. So we're going to dive into that a little bit, and I think we've got I've got some lighthearted things to to show us, but also some just good biblical principles um, and how we can deal with revenge, and 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 how God has given us some good stories and some great scriptures in the Bible to deal with that. Um, my name is Nate Westfield. I'm the Creative Arts Pastor here at Great Oaks, and I tell you what, it's been it's been great going through the series. You know, last week, uh, our first week, Pastor Chase actually opened us up and talked about the, our busyness, right, and how um, God's given us scriptures and, uh, and reminders in his word to help us rid our lives of busyness, to find what's important, to focus on those things, especially him, and to get that balance in our life. And then Pastor Dan last week um, talked about the spinning plates, but it was in, in relation to fear and how we keep those plates spinning because we're fearful of, of a job or a family member or, or, or our families themselves, some, some worries and anxieties that we have in our life, and we keep those plates spinning rather than trusting in God. And today, I get to cover the topic of revenge. If you uh, have missed any of those messages, you can always go to greatoaks.church/media, and all our sermons in the past are there um, that you can catch up. You can also subscribe to the podcast as well. But let me just take a minute to remind you that of what detox means. Here's the definition. To abstain from or rid the body of toxic or unhealthy substances. So throughout this series, that's our goal, is how can we deal with these spiritual, emotional things that are toxic to our souls? And today, the topic of revenge, here's the definition for that. It's, it's a subtype of aggression. It's retaliatory in nature. And it's an aggressive behavior in response to some kind of provocation. Something happens to us, and in return, we give revenge. Here's some examples. An insult, a drink in the face. I've never had that happen. Have you guys ever happened that? My brothers have done that, right? I don't want to beat his head in, right? So, but, but that's my revenge, right? So, but I've never had it happen in public like you see in TV shows, right? Maybe it's a crazy driver, road rage. We've all experienced that, right, at some point in our life. Maybe broken heart from rejection, right? We want revenge because that person's hurt us. Maybe it's a parking space that's been stolen. How many of you guys have ever had that happen to you, right? You've been in a parking lot. You've been waiting for 10, 15 minutes. You've been driving around. Finally, you find that perfect spot, right? You're like, all right, it's close. We've been driving around. We just want to get into the store. We just want to go do our shopping. And then somebody out of nowhere just comes in and steals that spot. And you're like, what? What? That was my spot. And they're like, I don't care. Well, you know what? There's a great example of this 
on YouTube, and I thought it'd be great for us to watch this. So let's take a minute and watch this. Nice, huh? That guy took his revenge, didn't he? He took his revenge, he took his winch, he put it underneath the car, he hauled the car out, and he just took the space back. And so, have any of you done that? You don't have to raise your hand, don't worry. So, but, but I think what's funny is we don't get the rest of the story though, right? Right? So this guy pulls the car out, he actually makes a bigger mess, right? By dragging that car out into the parking lot and blocking in some other people. But I, I, my mind had to go like, what about the guy when he came back out? What did he do, right? And so it made me think of that Carrie Underwood song, right? You know that song, Before He Cheats, right? Maybe he came out and he took his key into the side of his pretty little souped up four-wheel drive, right? Maybe he carved his name into the leather seats, right? He took maybe a Louisville slugger that he just purchased, right? And bashed in both those headlights, slashed a hole in fall four tires, right? Maybe next time. He'll think before he, they say cheats there, but maybe before he toes, right? right? So, see, the, reward, the, revenge, the rewards of revenge are sweet, right? Question mark. We'll think about that. So in regards to taking revenge, I'd like us to open up our Bibles or our Bible app uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 24. And we're going to read about David and an opportunity that he had to take revenge against King Saul. Now, while you open up to 1 Samuel, Samuel chapter 24, I just want to give you a little history of King David and Saul, if you don't know it. So King David was a shepherd boy, right, out in the fields. He had a lot of brothers, 11 other brothers, and he was uh, the youngest of them all. And King Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the first king that the people had chosen. God had given them a choice to choose a king, and they chose Saul. He was the tallest, he was the handsomest, and that's who they naturally put, picked, Right. But King Saul had a bad side to him, and even more so as David came into the picture, right? David is the second one to be anointed by Samuel as king. David, uh, we, we read in 1 Samuel that he gets to play music for king to calm his spirits. David ultimately is the boy who slays Goliath, right? And after that, after he slays Goliath, we start to see this turmoil take place in Saul's. Because as they're coming 
back into Israel after they've been at war with the Philistines. In uh, 1 Samuel 18, verse 7, it says this, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands, right? So the people of Israel began to love David more than they loved Saul. And Saul begins to get jealous. And Saul begins to take out his revenge on David by trying to kill him. Matter of fact, he even sends his own son, Jonathan, the first time to try and kill David of whom Jonathan is David's best friend, right? And so we see in this whole relationship from then on out that Saul is bent on killing David, on taking out revenge because he knows that he's God's anointed. But as we read this together, I really want us to focus on first David and how he responds. So let's read this together, beginning uh, in verse one there in 1 Samuel chapter 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men and of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. See, the Bible doesn't leave out anything. He had to go to the bathroom, right? Let, let's us know that. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. See, this is the moment. This is David's moment, right? He's got Saul cornered. He's in a cave. He's got the element of surprise. Dave, Saul, Saul's disposed at the moment. There's no way that he could defend himself in that circumstance. But David doesn't feel right about it. Let's keep reading. In verse 5 there. And afterward, David's heart struck him. Because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So David gets a heart check here. And not only does he talk himself out of it, but he actually talk, talks the 400 men that were following him. 400 men that had left their families to support David, that were running in exile from Saul. They're men that loved David. And not only did he persuade himself, right? He didn't have just himself and say, you do as you will. No, we, don't, we can't do this. We cannot touch the Lord's anointed. Let's go on and read verses 8 through 15. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of the men who say, behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And son told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes wickedness but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? 
After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog, after a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. Now, one thing to take note of in there and one thing I didn't mention about David's history is Saul was also David's father-in-law. He had also married Michael, his daughter. And so in that one verse there, he says, see my father, see the corner of robe. Not only was he his king, not only was he the Lord's anointed, he was also his father-in-law, right? Now, you may have wanted to take revenge against your father-in-law at one point or another, but, you know, not to this point, right? Right? So, but, but it's just a, this is a great picture of how our response should be to God's anointed, to, to people in our own lives, right? How we should not play out revenge in our own lives. And, and what I love about this is there's three things that we can take from this portion of scripture alone. And I just want to touch them real quick is that first David, he surprises Saul right there in verse eight and nine. He comes out, he holds up the corner robe and then he bows to the ground, right? And with humility, right, he surprises Saul. The second thing we see is that he proves with evidence his intent, not of revenge, but of respect as God's anointed, verses nine through 11. And then number three, David leaves the judgment of their actions in God's hands. He doesn't play judge and jury. He doesn't say, this is my right, this is my time. It mentions it before, but in the end, he says, no, this is not my time. Matter of fact, what you do and what I do, how I respond and how you respond, that is in God's hands. How we handle ourselves, how we go about with our own lives, that is in God's hands to judge us, judge us on how we um, portray ourselves and how we act out. And in verse 16, then, we get to see a picture of how Saul responds. Let's read this together. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me in your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. See, David responds with the right response, and Saul has nothing but to choose the proper response, and he weeps, and he recognizes that his life in one moment could have been taken, but because of the grace of God, because of David's willingness to follow God's law, he chose not to. And the only thing he asks in the end there is that David not cut off his family when David becomes king, and David promises to that. But what's this really mean for revenge in our life? We see a great picture of David and how he responds, how we should respond. But how do we deal with revenge in our lives? How do we deal with that if, if we have that stirring in our hearts and our minds? And I, and I think first it's good for us to look at some science. And there's a website I found um, called scienceofthepeople.com. It's a good resource for some things. Um, I don't always agree with everything they say on there, right? With science and as Christians, we have to be careful. A lot of things uh, we agree with, there's some things that we don't, right? And so uh, as you look at the website, if you go there, you know, weigh that within the Bible. 
uh, and to see what you believe or not believe. But what they had to say about revenge, um, I really did like. And I'm just going to read this to you because I think it really lays out how revenge impacts us physically first, and then we'll get to the Bible and how it impacts us spiritually. They scanned the brains of people who had just been wronged during a game in the lab. The researchers then gave the wronged participant a chance to punish the other person. And for a full minute, as the victims contemplated revenge, the activity in their brain was recorded. Immediately, researchers noticed a rush of neural activity in the caudate nucleus. This is the part of the brain known to process rewards. The study found that revenge, in the moment, is quite rewarding. However, they want to know one more thing. Does revenge keep rewarding? We often believe that exacting revenge is a form of emotional release and that getting retribution will help us feel better. Movies, we've seen this a lot in movies, often portray the act of revenge as a way of gaining closure after a wrong. But in fact, revenge has the opposite effect. Even though the first few moments feel rewarding in the brain, psychological scientists have found that instead of quenching hostility... Revenge prolongs the unpleasantness of the original offense. Instead of delivering justice, revenge often creates only a cycle of retaliation. Revenge, in the end, does not reap a sweet reward. Love this quote from Sir Bacon or Sir Francis Bacon. A man that studieth revenge keeps his own wounds green, which otherwise would heal. How many guys have experienced that? Maybe a relationship that went awry and there was pain and there was hurt. And the next time you saw that person, did it bring up happiness and joy? Or did it bring up bitterness and sadness and even the thoughts of maybe how can I get them back? I remember the first you know, crush in high school I had. Her name was Rachel, right? And she was a great girl. But I remember when she broke up with me, I was crushed. Man, I was torn up. And right after she broke up with me, she went on to date another guy, right? That's horrible, right? When you're in high school and it's like immediate, it's like you're crushed and they've moved on and they're like so fast. Like, man, how do they, they, they just, yesterday they were just telling me they love me and today they don't love me anymore. And you're like, oh, so ripped up and torn up inside. And I just think about what I could do to that guy. It's like, oh, but he was bigger than me and all that stuff. I just like, couldn't do anything. But I had a lot of thoughts in my head, but I never acted them out, right? But, but hurt causes us to think those things, right? It causes us to think about how we can elicit revenge or take what maybe joy they have. And because they're happy and we're not, we want to take that from them too, right? That's what revenge makes us do. We're not happy, we want other people to be unhappy with us. Or maybe that's the next step, right? Maybe it's the fact that we don't maybe elicit any revenge to them directly, but we talk to our friends that are friends with them and we make them look bad, right? We tear them down. We, we, we disrupt that, their relationship with other people as we tear down their character and who they are. We take revenge in little ways. And a lot of times I don't think we're thinking of it as revenge, but in a way, that's what we're doing. We don't like them. They don't like us. And that hurt, we want to pass on. We want to tear them down. It keeps that wound open. Makes it hard to heal. Spiritually, 
There's some scriptures that talk about what limitations happen to us when we hold on to revenge. I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'm just going to give you the references. Um, but spiritual blindness, when you read 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Ineffective prayers. We talk about this in communion, right? Uh, in Mark 11 through 25, that if there's a problem between you and your brother, go make it right. Do your best to make it right. I know that we can't always make it right. I understand that, but do your best to do that. Toxic relationships, right? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Altered personalities. We see that as, as, we, as what the science says. We, we get in a cycle of retaliation. We find ways to retaliate on others. And loss of joy. Proverbs 15, 17. Hebrews 12, 15. We don't have any joy because we're so bent on causing harm. Living in the pain. Living in the hurt. See, the rewards of revenge are not sweet, but rather bitter. Let me say that again. The rewards of revenge are not sweet, but rather bitter. So how then do we appropriately deal with revenge? We have a great example here in David, being humble at first, and then, and then pointing out uh, that he had no intent to cause harm to Saul, and then allowing God to cast a judgment. But I think for us, I think it begins first and foremost that we begin to forgive. We begin to forgive. I love the verse in Colossians 3.13, which um, we're gonna dive into that deeper in, in the next sermon series, the whole book of Colossians. Um, but the verse here says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's a commandment that we do that as Christians, that we offer forgiveness. Now, let me preface that with a second point, that forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we've heard the phrase, forgive and forget, right? We've heard that phrase, forgive and forget. But forgetting isn't really all that easy sometimes, is it? Depending on the depth of how bad that hurt is, Forgetting sometimes takes time. Sometimes time is the best healer, but I believe that we can offer that forgiveness initially. And so what we need to do then is to put up guardrails, right? I go back to that relationship in high school. What I needed to do, right, probably what was one of the most healthiest things to do is I needed to create space. She had moved on, I hadn't. Seeing that and him and her, and that relationship wasn't beneficial to me. Matter of fact, it only poured more salt on the wound, right? And so I needed to find ways to remove myself from them as much as I could. And when I did see them or was around them, I needed to find ways to focus on other things. Memorize scripture. Maybe it's a worship song. Whatever it is in your mind to help you focus on God in those moments rather than focusing on the revenge or the hurt, the resentment, the pain that exists there, right? Easier said than done, of course, but our mind steers our heart. Our mind steers our heart and God's Holy Spirit is within us and he can help us and guide that heart and those emotions in the right way. And putting up those guardrails may be needed to help us heal to offer that forgiveness each day. It may take each day waking up and praying, God, help me forgive this person. I'm working towards forgiveness. And then the third point, and uh, 
I think it's important for us to, to try to do this as best as we can is to resolve to reconcile, right? Pastor Kevin talked about this a few weeks ago, right? I know that that always isn't the case, that reconciliation isn't always possible, but it should be the goal, right? At least for you, for me, to offer that forgiveness, to try to make that reconciliation happen the best that we can. But if the other person doesn't respond accordingly, we see this in Saul. In that moment, Saul weeps. He cries. He says, David, you're better than I am. And he leaves with the 3,000 men. But guess what? David goes back to his stronghold, his guardrails, not because he trusted Saul, but because he didn't trust Saul. And Saul continues to try to kill David even after this. And so what we have to do in our own lives as we work towards reconciliation, understand that sometimes reconciliation may never come between that relationship, but that we need to forgive and we need to reconcile that the best we can and to move on in, in God and know that we've given that forgiveness. It's hard, right, sometimes? It's hard because we always want closure. We always want reconciliation. Sometimes we avoid the inevitable with not wanting to deal with those relationships, but once we start that process, sometimes that reconciliation never does come. But what's important is that we do everything we can to make our hearts right with God in that moment and with that individual. And if they choose to deny it, that's on them. That's something they need to work with God about, and that's something we can pray for them about, that God open their hearts and their minds. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 20, really wrap up this whole, uh, this, uh, our attitude should be a, a, rather than revenge. Let's read it together. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, for enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We see that as David does that, he offers grace. And David breaks down in that, or Saul breaks down in that moment because he realizes what opportunity David had. And in our own lives, it's so contrary, right? The word of God is so contrary to how we want to respond, how we feel we should respond. We want to be the guy that tows the car out of the parking spot, right? That's who we want to be. We want to do that. In that moment, when that parking spot is stolen, we want to be that guy. Yep, he did what was right. He was justified in doing that. But in the end, we know it doesn't benefit us. Matter of fact, he actually caused more problems for more people doing that, didn't he? He didn't just right himself, but he wronged others in the process. Revenge creates a mess. Revenge, the rewards of revenge are not sweet, but rather bitter. So this morning, as we get ready to close out, we're gonna sing this song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And it's a song of forgiveness. It's a song about coming to the altar of God and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my, re my resentment, my revenge that I want to take on other people. God, help me to move forward. Help me to offer forgiveness. Help me to offer to them 
the grace that you've given me. In our world today, we see a lot of revenge taking place on social media, right? Because we don't agree. We don't agree with a political stance that one person takes or their stance on masks or no masks or to be vaccinated or not vaccinated. Or We've become so vengeful in, in our social media platforms that our world is ripping apart before our own eyes. We're so divided as a people who used to talk to each other, right? Who used to come around the table. And no matter our differences, we would at least agree to disagree on some things and move forward together on the main things. And I know the only thing that we can do is we can pray as a church, as an individual, all we can do is pray and then love people like God asks us to love them. To give forgiveness. And when they wrong us, don't respond with another post. In, in arguments or justice because we're right. No, say, oftentimes actually the best thing is to say is to say nothing. To pray for them. And then when you see them out in the community or see them at the school or work, offer a hand of how can I help you today? How can I pray for you? How can I be your friend? Because we've let social media and all these gadgets and gears, it's just driving a wedge between our communities and, and us as individuals. And so, God, help us to be a generation that wants to seek after you. To stop glorifying our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. But God, to really care about each other to not be revengeful against each other because we don't see things the same way. So as we sing this song, if there be any resentment, any guilt, any, any revenge in your heart and you need forgiveness, we've set up a way that you could text in a prayer request. You can text to that same number, 97000. You just text the keyword, go pray, and it gives you a little link form that you can fill out our prayer request. And we'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. And and even today, if you need it, as i out by the doors, if you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you as well today. But as we sing this song, let's just offer to God, say, God, if there be any resentment, any pain, any hurt, any revenge in my life, God, let me let go of it today. Point it out to me so that I can go and make that right with somebody else. Maybe it's somebody that I've been slandering and gossiping against that doesn't deserve it because I, I'm just not happy with who they are. They've, they've wronged me. God, help me to make it right. Help me to offer that forgiveness because God, you've given it to me. And I'm a sinner through and through. And because your grace and mercy, God, are new every morning, God, help me to receive that and to pass it on. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.
And we'll stand together and sing this. Lord, I just thank you, God, for the opportunity you give us. God, to love you and God, to offer forgiveness. Lord, help rid our hearts of any revenge or resentment, any pain, God, that we hold towards another. And God, help us to move on. to work towards reconciliation the best we can. But God, we know that in you we find peace. Lord, we just thank you that maybe as some in this room go to reach out to those individuals we're thinking of that you're bringing to their heart, to their mind. God, I just pray that we get to hear stories of relationships restored. of weights lifted off our hearts and our minds. And God, let our influence in this world, God, let it be for you. That we do things because of our God, not because of some man or woman, but God, because of you. That we love others as you've asked us to love others. That we treat our enemy with a drink and food, even though they may despise us, God, that we do the opposite, and that we show this world, we show them, God, the love that you've given us, and we may pay a, a price for it, God, but in the end, it's all about you being glorified, not about what we do or what we've done or what we can do, but God, about just doing what you've asked us to do in your word. And we thank you for that. Just sing this song, God. Just let our hearts just come humbly to your altar, God, as we give you praise and thanks. Amen. Let's stand together and sing this.
Shouts of praise. Yeah. Amen. Well, you may be seated. The ushers will come forward and dismiss you.